Hey, Polly. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, good, good. Long time, no chat. I know, I know. We thought we'd, we'd just sort of catch up with each other and see how we're both doing and uh, see how the NRL is doing as well. And, and yeah, and what's going, what's going on? Yeah, well, given that the NRL has announced the May 28 comeback date, uh, although I'll mm-hmm. believe that when I see it, uh, yeah, we thought... Mm-hmm. May as well get back together and have a chat about where things are up to and and footy in general. Uh, but first things first, congratulations! Oh, thank you very much. Drop the knee. Yeah, I uh, I dropped the knee this week, and uh, she said yes, and I'm so, yeah, I'm very lucky, very thankful. <laughs> Talk me through it. How did you do it? It was at night. Uh, oh, actually, at sunset. Sunset. Where in Brisbane? Uh, actually, we're we're up in Terrigal at the moment been up here for a few weeks so there's a big sort of cliff over the ocean it's quite amazing how sort of the land just goes straight up to this to this point that's about i don't know 70 60 70 meters um above sea level um so there's a beautiful lookout up there and it's just stunning so we walked up there i waited for a few people to sort of leave who were up there at the time and the moon was out it was uh Wax, uh, waxing gibbous, I think. It was what? You know, like the phases of the moon. <laughs> well, clearly I don't. Okay, so when the when the moon is waxing, it means it's getting right. bigger, and when the moon is waning, it means it's getting smaller. Right. And between like when there's like no moon up to like half a moon, it's referred to basically as a crescent, mm-hmm. and. Um, going between sort of the half moon and the full moon, it's called gibbous. Right. So waxing gibbous means it's like kind of going towards a full moon, but not full yet. Yep. And it's getting bigger. So over the next few nights, it'll get bigger. Right. right. Well, sounds lovely. Anyway, we were under a waxing gibbous moon. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, yeah, the moon was just like reflecting off the ocean. And I dropped the knee and it was, yeah. It was a really special moment. Oh, good job. Well done. Um, yeah. Can I say, uh, we, uh, we we actually spoke about this afterwards. I can't, I I did the whole will you marry me thing mm. while I was still standing. Like, I didn't drop the knee and say, will you marry me? I feel like that was, wait, wait, wait. in hindsight. I, did you drop the knee at all? So, yes, I did. I dropped the knee afterwards. But just to present the ring, not to actually ask the okay. question on my knee. That's interesting. Uh, and I felt like, yeah, I ha- I hadn't planned to do that, but I felt like it was a good result. I like being kind of like face to face when asking somebody to spend the rest of their life with me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's not how you see it done in the movies. Usually, they drop to the knee <laughs> and then and then they ask. They flip open the, the, the ring box and then they say, will you marry me on the knee? Right. So I feel like you kind of kill the moment when you do that because then they see what's happening. Whereas like if you could just kind of lead into the will you marry me quite uh, quite quickly, then uh, you, you increase the surprise. And I don't know. For, for me, I, th- I, thought, I thought that felt a lot more natural and a lot less kind of Mediating. Did you have the ring like out when you said it, or not? No, I pulled it out. Okay. After, so how I did you like change the topic of the conversation? Were you just like, so 
about it or? Uh, no, I just kind of had like a three line lead up kind of thing. Okay, very good, very good. Alright, so maybe let's get back to back to footy. Hey, can I? Okay, from now on, I'm calling you Costradamus because you called this rugby league island idea like a month before it was even an idea. I, to be honest, I can't remember if I completely came out up with it out of the blue or if I'd heard a rumor about it already. But anyway, right. anyway, yeah, we were talking about it like before it had become a big idea. Now they've moved the exotic island to Penrith, it seems. Just a bit less. Yeah. yeah or like Homebush or something. Be Penrith or Olympic Park. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Something yeah. like that. Which, you know, not quite the same, but sort of makes sense in a way. So, yeah, May 28th is the date for the supposed date for the relaunch. Although, since I've mentioned that, two things have happened. The first thing is the New South Wales government. I think, and maybe other state governments have come out and said, you haven't talked to us about this at all. Although Wayne Pearce mm-hmm. said something like he's got a signed letter, but anyway. Yep. And what's the second thing? Oh, the second thing is like Channel 9 is running like a bit of a crusade against it for some reason. Like Channel 9 came out and said that yeah. like the NRL's been mismanaged, which it probably has, but it's kind of interesting that Channel 9 would come out and say that. Why would they do that? Well, there's a conspiracy theory that Channel 9 want the NRL not to be able to meet its contractual obligations, i.e. show any, like have any football, so that they can get mm-hmm. out of the however many billion dollar broadcast deal that they're locked into. Why would they want to get out of that though? Surely it's it's Cause, probably the most lucrative contract they've got. Well, it's a lot of money to pay and we're now in a, like a deep recession, depression environment and they probably just don't have the cash. Like the advertising mm-hmm. revenue they were going to get from it, even if lots of people are watching, the advertising revenue they were going to get from it is probably like a fraction of what it was, potentially. I see. And this is a complete, I don't know any of this for sure, but it seems a bit weird that Channel 9 would come out and bash the game as hard as they are. So, you know, there are lots of yeah. conspiracy theories about my way, why they might be doing that. I'll, I'll, look, I'll say, I'll say one good thing about the end of May date. If if they can pull it off and it does work and it does work safely, um, and they can get a head start on a few other world sports, it's going to be actually great for the game, um, great for exposure, and yeah, possibly bad for Channel Nine in the long run if if it sort of invites other bigger broadcasters into the rugby league sphere. Like the, like you know the next deal, you might have a bunch of American cable companies coming to the table to be part of it maybe maybe yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens i I still have massive doubts over whether they can get it going but having Mm -hmm. said that the curve has flattened a lot in terms of coronavirus and Mm -hmm. you know so that part of it i guess the, the fact that it seems like at this point the virus has been contained a little bit might mean that in sort of six weeks time the risk of, of a player getting it might be a bit lower than it would have otherwise been. Mm-hmm. You know, because yep. we were thinking, like, you know, a few weeks ago when it first shut down, it was like, well, it's a matter of time before a player gets it, and if a player gets it, then then what happens? But if, if the curve keeps mm-hmm. sort of flattening like it has been, then the chances of a player getting it mm-hmm. might actually be reasonably low, which mm-hmm. might mean that they have some chance of getting it through. But it doesn't fill me with 
confidence that you know they've come out and said the state and like the state government has said uh yeah maybe maybe you should have talked to us about it first i mean the nrl is just run by a bunch of it like old man footy players right yeah it's no wonder that everything like you know that this kind of mayhem comes out like they need to get in some real administrators yeah Yeah, and i I, and i'm not sure a lot of people seem to talk up peter valanzas i don't know if he's the answer feel like he's got enough fingers in enough pies as it is and I and I can't see uh, I can't see him coming into it um, without other influences on him but yeah they do need real administrators they need people who sort of say no if someone's like let's hire 400 fan development executives yeah and and start spending the money you know where where it actually needs to be spent. Yeah, it's I, I just feel like there, there's a lot of players who are getting sort of golden handshakes at the end of their careers. Um, there's a lot of people involved in the game who um, who maybe shouldn't be um, at the it's, moment. And It's a ridiculous boys club. Like, it's yeah. just such a, like, closed kind of ex-football player community like they don't mm-hmm. they don't source talent from outside their ranks at all mm-hmm. and then you have like these ex players becoming CEOs of clubs or high up you know high up in the NRL organization that just don't know much about mm-hmm. anything other than footy and then you get a situation where mm-hmm. the NRL announces a return to play without having talked to the New South Wales government like it's mm-hmm. just it boggles the mind a little bit but anyway let's hope that it does come back because I could use some footy in my life oh yeah me too <laughs> Can I mention a couple of ideas that that I've stolen from other people um, that I think would be good for league? And I, th- I think they're ideas that I think would also bring revenue into the game at a time when we need revenue. Sure, absolutely. All right. So the first idea, I, I heard Vossi talk about it um, and a couple of others have talked about it over the past few years, but I, th- I think it's a pretty good idea. Bring in quarters. Have have quarter time and three quarter time in the game, during which like you run a bunch of ads, increase the revenue for the broadcaster, and therefore increase the uh, the revenue for the broadcast deal. You could also then reduce the interchange by maybe a player or two, and reduce the salary caps as a result. Have have twenty eight player squads instead of thirty player squads. But yeah, the main goal is that sort of three-minute ad break at twenty minutes and at it and at sixty minutes, which I think would be fine for everybody. So, what do you think? Okay, about? so a couple of things. So, I don't want the game to go to where the American sports are at, where like there's four timeouts a half and like things just move at kind of glacial pace because there's so many stoppages. Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily have a problem mm-hmm. with the quarter time thing or the three-quarter time thing. But what's happening at the moment, and I know, like, you know, everyone complains about the video ref, and I sometimes I get tired of hearing people say that. But often it's true that we get like a three or four minute stoppage for a video ref decision, and no ad break mm-hmm. during that period. Yeah. So if you could, we need to we need to fix that, right? Like, I don't. It's 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 the way the video ref is used. We've got to make it faster, or if we're mm-hmm. going to have a three minute stoppage, go to a bloody ad break. Yeah, but the problem with that is you don't know how long the video ref's going to take when 
when the decision goes to the videographer. No, but you could like you could work that out somehow. You know, you could have a set amount of time. Mm-hmm. They have exactly sixty seconds or exactly a minute and a half or something. Yeah, so even if they make the decision quicker than that, they don't actually announce it That's for sixty right. seconds. You run a couple of ads. Yep. Kind of. Yeah. Exactly. Or or you just speed that up completely. Give the video ref thirty seconds, and if they don't know, they go back to the ref. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't I don't hate it. I, I'm like I am worried about too many stoppages, but yeah, I don't hate that. That's fine. But like the American sports are generally built around like they're built for stoppages anyway, particularly the NFL and baseball and stuff like that. Uh, NBA, not so much, but they've, they've been segmented. Like each play is segmented from the, from the previous play or from the next play. So, so it supports kind of running ad breaks every five seconds. Um, whereas league has a con- still has a continuous sort of flow to it most of the time. Yeah. But even the NBA, right? Like, I don't know if you if you try and watch NBA, but they have so many timeouts and stuff. So many breaks, like yeah. it's it's quite painful to watch. Yeah, so I don't want it to, to get cool. to get there. But yeah, that's not a bad idea. All right, what what do you got next? Okay, okay. So my other two ideas are coming from the NFL. I don't know if you ever watched it, but uh, in the NFL they have a preseason show called Hard Knocks. Have you ever? Seen I have it? not. No. Okay, so Hard Knocks basically goes into a uh, one team's preseason camp, and it's. Basically, every, like every decision that's made and and every sort of major conversation that's had, the cameras get access to that. Um, they go into the team meetings. They go into meetings about who's going to make the squad and who's not going to make the squad. They go on into training sessions and all that kind of stuff, and they televise it. And they televise each episode like, you know, two or three days after it was filmed, so it's fresh. Right. So the idea being that you bring out a hard knock series in sort of Jan Feb, you create content in the summer where there is no rugby league content. And I feel like there, there would be enough uh, stuff going on during that preseason for each specific team that you can run, you know, four, four, five or six one hour episodes for the four, five or six weeks leading into the comp. Oh, absolutely. So have you watched any of the – there's a few series out at the moment that do similar things in other sports. Not necessarily like a preseason okay. thing, but just kind of behind-the-scenes docos. Yeah. So there was the test, that, which is a cricket one, that basically follows the Australian yeah. team around. Yeah. We talked about that last yeah. time. Yeah, that's fantastic. Amazing, right? uh, there's a Formula One mm-hmm. one on Netflix that's pretty good that mm-hmm. just follows the Formula One seasons kind of week to week and – you know, it just, it, they give you so much insight into the, the personalities and, you know, what's going on. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. But, yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's actually not that different to our think, Rugby League Island uh, reality TV show, right? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I'd love to be able to see, like, coaches talking to players about, you know, this is why we run this particular play. Oh, if you see this kind of situation, then that's a good time to, I don't know, send it out wide or something like that. And, and just try to understand a lot more about the game, which we don't get to see in the sort of uh, in, in the round by round exposure that, that, that we currently get. All we get is is basically the commentary and sometimes you get some good stuff from you know Joey or whatever, but it's pretty limited. Yeah, absolutely couldn't agree more. I mean, yeah, some clubs would be better than others. Like Melbourne it would just be like they're mm-hmm. wrestling the whole time, right? 
<laughs> Hold it out longer. That's our entire strategy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you have anything else? or? It... I got one more. So going back to the NFL. So the NFL has a draft every April. Yep. Okay. Now, obviously, there's no draft in the <laughs> NRL. But leading up to the draft, they have what they call the NFL Combine. Yep. So this happens... Um, this happens about a, a, a month or two months or something like that before the draft. Oh, and this get, is the thing where they like measure how high they can jump and how fast they can run and all this stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly. All right. that kind of stuff. And I would love to see that kind of stuff with all the rugby league players, but obviously the 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 argument against that would be, well, we don't do a draft in league, so why would you bother doing anything like that? So here's so here's my grand idea. Well, first of all. You create the combine, you televise it. It happens in, I don't know, November, December or something like that. Or January, um, where, whenever, really. Well, well, it would have to happen earlier than that, and I'm about to yeah. explain why. So every junior player, if they turn 18 during that calendar year, they attend the combine. Okay. okay? Now, after the combine, you can have your meetings and your workouts within with any team you want doesn't matter who your junior club was you can speak to any team at all and if that team wants to offer a contract to you they can okay sorry sorry say that again so all right so, so let, let's say let's say britain nikora last sure. year as an example okay all right so britain nikora um sharks junior the sharks are like this kid's good we want to sign him but He's got to go to the combine, right? So he goes yep. to the combine, okay? Then let's say the Dragons and the Broncos and uh, the Storm all like Britta Nikora from what they see from the combine, yeah. okay? Let's say, you know, a couple of those teams are like, look, we would really love a running a running edge back rower that runs good lines or something like that, um, and we need one. So they, they go, hey, Britta, we want to sign you to... One of them says, oh, we want to sign you to a three-year deal for 200 grand a year or something like that. Okay? okay. And then another one will be like, we'll sign you to a three-year contract for 250 a year or something like that. Yeah. And this whole happens via the NRL. So so the contracts get, get offered through the NRL channels. Okay. And then each player has the option to sign with, with whichever team they want. Now... If you're if you're the sharks, you're like, hang on, we're the junior club. We, um, you know, we've trained him up to be this player that's worth two fifty or three hundred a year or whatever. We want to keep him, so the player can sign with whoever he wants, but the junior club always has the right to match the highest offer. Yeah. Okay. And that's it. Yeah. So, so right. it's sort of. So, like it's almost like a pseudo draft in a way it's a pseudo, yeah it's a pseudo draft that's right um so what it does is so for example some clubs have deeper player pools to, to pick from than others right mm -hmm. so first of all it evens that out okay so so people who, who who could potentially be really good players actually might get an opportunity somewhere where they otherwise wouldn't because they were coming through a huge system and they were stuck behind a bunch of players which they would have gotten out of when they were like 2021, 20, but now they can, they can get out when they're 18. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's the first thing. Second of all, it 
moves a little bit more money towards the younger end of uh, the player group. Which could be good or bad, but yeah. Which could be good or bad. I mean, we're, uh, we're sort of seeing it with, I mean, I have no idea who, how much Britain McCore is on, but, but Bronson Series, Sherry or whatever you call him, is a good example of this, right? Because mm-hmm. I think he's mm-hmm. on probably something close to a fairly rookie-ish type contract. But now that he's mm-hmm. shown all the promise that he has, he's he's starting mm-hmm. to bid for big money, but he's had to kind of forego that for a couple of years. Maybe mm-hmm. that's right because he hasn't shown, like, you know, before he hit first grade, he hadn't shown anything, obviously, but... That's cool. But if, if, so if he goes to a combine and a bunch of clubs like him when he's 18 and he hasn't played a game of first grade yet, but a bunch of clubs are after him, then he has a choice to say, okay, well, X club is offering me a four-year contract for this much. Y club is offering me more money, but for two years, I think I'll have proved myself in two years. So I'm going to take the two-year contract. Mm. Um, But still with his junior club, again, being the Sharks, they have the right to match that contract. Yeah. You'll get a you'll get a bunch of clubs overpaying for guys that like look big and fast and kind of never never really are actually that good footy players. Sure, but I, I feel like after a few years they'll sort of they'll sort of start to understand which players are just like statistically good players and which players are actually good players. And you you get to you get to know a lot more of the players you can interview them you can get to know what kind of player they are so even if you don't sign them now let's say some other club gets them when the next contract comes up you can go back to your notes and go okay so this is a player that we looked at in depth we even made him an offer he signed somewhere else but now that his second contract is up we know he's you know a solid player he's a solid guy he's now played some first grade we want to invest in him for his second contract yeah i I quite like it it is fairly radical though it would it would change how salary caps are managed quite significantly. Like you might have mm-hmm. to you'd have to think about a way to bring it in. That's you know, like you might have to bring it in in a stage sense or something. I don't know. But yeah, I don't mind it. I mean, what's what's the actual like policy intent of it? Apart from having the combine to create a bit of interest in the off season. Well, mostly that. But I I, I think actually that's enthralling. Like the whole combine process isn't just one or two days of players working out. The whole lead up to it is is huge. Like talking about where players might go, what kind of skill sets they have. You know, I'd love to see, for example, like which props can change direction and maintain their speed. And I'm sure you can create a test for that. Or even like even like backs. Like you know, does does Kalen Ponga maintain speed through his sidestep like brad fitler used to or less or more or stuff like that obviously we don't have stats for you know players who are already playing or have played but going forward we could yeah and i just really want to know who's the fastest yeah nice all right well i look forward to the rugby league world uh embracing your ideas and bettering itself because it always listens to ideas outside its own uh bubble Again, not my ideas, but I still think they could work. Yeah. Okay. So, should we actually talk about Supercoach for a little bit, given that this is theoretically a Supercoach discussion? Cool. Um, Let's do it. So, do you know what your rank is? Uh, yours is definitely higher than mine because I, like an idiot, I captained um, George Williams in round two. Oh, yeah, that's uh, 
that's that's embarrassing. I'm not sure what was going through your mind. I know they were playing the Warriors, but even still. So I'm twenty three and a half thousand. Which is is bad but I think I'm like so I usually compare myself to the person who's ranked tenth rather than the person who's ranked first because I think mm-hmm. often, particularly in the early rounds, whoever's gotten off to a flyer will, will come back to the pack a bit. And I'm, I'm 350 mm-hmm. points, I think, behind the person ranked 10th, which is not I insurmountable. I think once you get sort of more than 500 points away from the per- person ranked 10th, you're in a bit of trouble. Yeah, I'm 52,000. <laughs> wow, that's, that's not great. What's your total score? Uh, 1941. Okay, so you're about 140 points behind me. So you're about 500 points mm-hmm. behind 10th. Yep. What do you think you apart from captaining George Williams, which is a mind-boggling brain explosion, what do you think your uh, mm-hmm. biggest mistake of the year has been thus far? Braden Burns. Yeah, his Burns base has just one. dropped yeah. off the planet, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, in terms of money spent for points, He's by far the lowest. Yeah, besides besides him, I'm not too I'm not too disappointed with anybody else. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he he's he's been the the outlier bad bad player. Uh, Simonson to some extent, but he had a try in round two, so he's kind of okay for the moment. And yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, obviously, not having Nathan Cleary has not been fantastic. Yeah, yeah. that's a bit of a double negative. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Not having Cleary has been troublesome, even though Moses did turn up in round two. Again, there's nothing else in my team that I that I'm looking at that I'm particularly worried about. How about you? Oh, so the centers, my centers, which I was probably most excited about because they were my most potish kind of guys, are uh, have been the biggest problem. And I had Katoni Stags in my team when I thought he was kicking. And mm-hmm. I dropped him when uh, uh, who got injured? Jack Bird got injured because mm-hmm. he was going to lose to kicking, which he did. And and I got BJ in instead of him, and that's been mm-hmm. about a hundred and twenty point decision, mm-hmm. which is pretty upsetting. And also, I've got Wonga Blake, who just like Wonga Blake and Fergo, neither of them got an attacking stat, and they put fifty on the Titans. Like, how is that even possible? They both like just got a cold out there. They did nothing. I'm not. I'm not too concerned about Fergo because obviously I have him as well. Yeah, I'm but, not either. Um, I'm not either. His 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 base is pretty good. I mean, I don't like the fact that he's not getting good attacking ball, but he's still going okay. He's going to score some tries at some point. But Blake has to go. So both mm-hmm. my two trades, theoretically, given the season is still going to continue in the form that it was, were going to be BJ and Blake to Isaaco and. Uh, stags and most right. well, not just because those guys look good but also because they're playing the Titans and I can't wait to get BJ out of my team as a Tiger supporter because he just was so awful against Knights it wasn't funny yeah yeah uh, sorry I did forgot to I did forget to mention a player Jack Williams yeah I did I got actually got rid of him after round one did you yeah I did I and I I, I got Katoa in for him and mm-hmm. and use the money to bring in um, drink water, which was great. Uh, uh-huh. But what happened to Williams? Just awful. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's not producing anywhere near the level no. uh, from a PPM basis that he did last year. 
I think for the 26 points he scored in round two, he has to go. Yeah, absolutely. Are there are there many guys that are going to re- like given again if we assume it's May twenty eighth start date are there many guys that are going to return from injury that like were injured John Bateman's an obvious one John Bateman's an obvious one Alex Glenn at the Broncos that might affect some of the back row yeah. rotation probably a couple of the Warriors oh, uh, props and stuff yes the Warriors props absolutely um, Kurt Caprell at the Panthers ah. so. I'd like to see what their bench looks like, and because because Isaiah Yo is an obvious trading target for me. Um, so what did Yo score in the, might... in round two? Saying after, I remember a few weeks ago when we were talking about him after round one, we were still not convinced. Mm-hmm. So what? Did... Yeah, and he's he's not the he's not still the right kind of player that I want, but he is getting the minutes, and he is a dual position player. He scored sixty one in round two. Yeah. Okay. For, for four hundred I mean, grand. For four hundred grand in the centers, that's pretty solid. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, so yeah, it, it, a burns to yo trade might be happening for me, um, depending on team lists. The only the only other guy that's really not performing is my boy, uh, the Tigers prop. Oh, Zane Musgrove. Zane Musgrove. But and so like an obvious yeah, him. an obvious trade for me could would have been Musgrove to the the Raiders Ooh. guy. Cool, yeah, but yeah, I did that exact trade. But given what I've said about points over money, mm-hmm. and I think I think I'm going to do the two Broncos guys in the centers, just because I can't mm-hmm. stand having Wonga Blake or BJ in my team any longer. Right. Watch Watch BJ score 150 in the next game. Yeah, he's got to be a candidate for getting dropped based on that performance. That it was wasn't a fourth, wasn't a first grade performance, and that. I mean, pretty, I actually joked pretty. about this in the off-season, but that like right-hand side of Benji, uh, Luciano, and BJ in defense is like, you know, it'd be worth picking two players on whichever opposition plays them on that side every week because they are just going to run rampant. Mm-hmm. Like even, what's his name, the Newcastle 5'8", Kurt Mann looked like he was Wally Lewis out there. Yeah, yeah he did. He really did. He's been surprisingly so, yeah. good, Kurt Man. I I rubbished him in the off season, and he's. I mean, they've played two very bad sides so far, but even still, he's actually been quite involved. Yeah, yeah, he has been. Um, yeah, I, again, I don't know. So, so Phoenix Crossland, uh, he'll be healthy, I assume. So yeah, but even have a bear man as well. Man's played well enough that I can't imagine that they'll change that now. They've won that. played well enough, but keep in mind that um, his his utility value is excellent, and they're going they're going to theoretically lose Connor Watson's utility value if Watson goes to hooker now that Braley's done his ACL. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Maybe. So, what do you think? So, so that in terms of the season now, mm-hmm. like I've heard some. Some people say, oh, they could have a, try and have a full season still and end in November. Others have said, like, some sort of conference. I think that's sort of on the back burner a bit now. Now, now they're saying just maybe they play, like, every team would play each other once. So you'd have, like, another mm-hmm. 14 rounds or something, 13, 14 rounds. Yep. Yep. I don't know where Origin fits in. Will there still be buys? I don't know. Like, I guess we're just, we're just guessing yeah. and speculating at this point, and it's a bit hard to 
to know. But I mean, let's say it was a, a one, you know, you play every other team once. I think that's the minimum requirement. Yeah, and look, let's say you play every other team once, and there's there's no buys, like so origins at the end or something. Yep. How would that change your strategy? And I assume like the the trades are down to I don't know twenty or something. Stuff question, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I I can't think of any way that it would obviously change my strategy at this point. I'd be probably more inclined to move on uh, from players that have an easy start that that I thought would would do well just because of the um, just because of the draw. Uh, so Simonson, I'm probably going to get rid of at some point early on, but even earlier, likely if if all of a sudden round three, round four, they're playing hard teams. Um, maybe a similar thing for George Williams as well. So you're assuming then that the draw completely changes? I think it has to. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean... It, it absolutely has to. There's a chance... Well, there's, uh, If the draw completely changes, at what point do we have to start again with Supercoach? Like, do we just cut whatever we did and start fresh? I think because everyone's in the same boat, you just roll with it. It's pretty. It's pretty tough though if you've picked like a bunch of guys based on draw, and then that draw doesn't exist anymore, and it's completely different. Yeah, I. But you're right. Everyone's in the same boat. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, the the alternative you could do is once the new draw comes out, you allow you allow some kind of extra number of trades to allow you to get your team like eight, to where you want it. Eight trades. Yeah, like something yeah, like like, like in that first. So eight trades, yeah, eight trades before before t- round three happens, mm. and then like twenty trades for the rest of the year or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that could work. Yeah, that could work. So the only guy that's not in my team, and you've already mentioned him, the only guy, the kind of gun that's not in my team that I really want is Cleary. So it turns out mm. the best strategy would have been to have picked both Moses and Cleary as two gun halves and go cheap in the centres. Have, like, play all the Lomax, Kurtman, uh, all those, like, 280k guys. Pretty much most of them have done pretty well. Not not Simonson, but all the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Watkins, yep. all that. That would, have been the, that would have been the best strategy. Um, yeah, potentially. You, you would have probably missed out on... Well, you would have missed out on either Blake Braley or Billy Walters with that strategy. Um, uh, which I guess might be okay. Yeah, I mean, with uh, Harry Grant coming to the Tigers, maybe that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably probably Drinkwater and um, Luai would have been your best 5-8s and then you'd play the, you would have started with both Moses and Cleary and gone... Mm-hmm. Maybe all cheap in the center wing, or maybe stags, or mm-hmm. Isaac or both. But like my forwards, I'm, I'm pretty happy with. It'll be just interesting to see what happens with um, Bateman and how that imp- like impacts on Tarpanay. Yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see what happens with the Broncos pack because uh, David Fafita was a notable omission from my team, um, and I still have enough cash that. Potentially, I could go Braden Burns down to Isaac Yo and Jack Williams up to Dave Fafita as my trades leading into the next round. They sound like pretty good trades to me. However, yeah. Dave Fafita has not set the world on fire. 
mind you. No. They are playing the Titans no, in the next right. next game, and he could easily score 100 plus. If that if that draw is to exist, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And my reservations for him was I wasn't convinced that he would get the minutes on the edge, and so far he has got the minutes on the edge. Mm-hmm. I just don't know what will happen when Alex Glenn returns. I can't see him not getting those minutes, right? And pa- remember, Pangai's just been suspended for like four games. Yep. So who's who's the other back rower? There isn't one. Well, who played in the? It was pa- it was Pangai playing the back row. So so Glenn just comes straight back in for Pangai for at least for a few weeks. Yep. Yeah. Flegler's been amazing. Flegler's been really good. Yeah. Joe O's got what one more week of suspension, I think, and then he comes back. But yeah. you probably Joe O just comes back on onto the bench, right? Yeah. Like Flegler's been so good that you wouldn't change that. I don't think. Yeah, I agree. Could impact his minutes a little bit, but. Yeah, you'd be pretty mm-hmm. happy if you started with Flegler. I don't think I can mm-hmm. buy him at this stage. No, neither. Neither. And plus, yeah, it's there's a lot of lean towards Broncos players at the moment, so so we'll see. Yeah, they look like they're going to be very good, though. So They do. They're playing fast. They're playing at a really good speed. Yeah, and they're just massive. They've just got that huge pack. Hey, you know, speaking mm-hmm. of the Broncos, so... Um, Foxtel's playing like classic games at the moment as they want to do. And yep. the game that they were playing this afternoon was a 2001 game, Good Friday game between the Broncos and the Roosters. Okay. The makeup of those two teams was insane. So the Broncos mm-hmm. had Webke and Sigma Seaver up front with Predecessor Hooker, yep. Talis yep. in the back row, mm-hmm. Lockyer at fullback, Scott Prince in the halves. Um, I think Devere and Chris Walker in the centres and then Takiri and Sailor on the wings. Yeah, that's insane. And and the Roosters had like, you know, apart from, well, they had Fitler and Craig Wing on the bench. Mm-hmm. Minicello on one of the wings. Uh, mm-hmm. Matt Singh was in the centres. The back mm-hmm. row, they had Fitzgibbon, Fletcher and um, Rickardson. They had Adrian Morley. Like, both those teams were just absolutely stacked. And you know where they finished that year? Where? They finished fifth and sixth. Those two teams that I've just mentioned to you finished fifth and sixth. That was the year that Parramatta had, like, the best season in NRL history. Parramatta scored Mm -hmm. something like 850 points and in attack had, like, conceded 400 for -hmm. for positive uh, plus-minus of 450 Um, points differential. And and then they got beaten by Newcastle by Joey in in the grand final. Yeah, so it got it kind of got me thinking like how good was that era and how does this era compare to that era? Because for me, both okay. those teams that I was watching today looked better. I mean, the, the Roosters team over the last two years, like particularly before Latrell and, and Cronk left, stands up to either of those teams quite easily. But I'm not sure anyone mm-hmm. else in the comp does. Yeah, maybe that was just a better era than we have now. Also, there were only 14 teams back then, yeah, which helps. But even still, there were like four guys who were, you know, some of the best players we've seen in the last 20 years that were all running around at the same time. Fitler, Lockyer, and Joey were all at like the peak of their powers, for example. Yeah, but maybe we're looking at it through like... Like the lens of history. You get a hindsight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
interestingly, I, I think all the gun players back in that era, like the real gun players were in the halves, whereas now I feel yeah. like they're all at fullback. I mean, Lockyer, yes. Lockyer was actually playing fullback at that time, but he was almost playing like a second 5'8 anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously he moved into the halves. But yeah, like mm-hmm. I feel like Teddy and, and Turbo and Ponga are probably the best players in the comp now. ask you just one last question before we go mm-hmm. and it's just i just want your opinion because i'm a little bit i never thought i'd be a kind of person to ask this question but it's kind of popped into my mind recently uh so my nfl team houston mm-hmm. are a bunch of absolute idiots <laughs> yeah okay and i've got this existential dilemma where for the first time I'm actually thinking of not supporting my team anymore. Now, in saying that, my NRL team are the Dragons, who are pretty much as bad, if not worse. (laughs) But I've been a Dragon supporter since the day I was born, basically, so I don't feel like there's there's ever going to be any choice there. I'm I'm just going to live and die with the Dragons. But the Houston Texans. I've only I've only sort of followed NFL and been a supporter for uh, seven or eight years. What what did they What have they been doing? What makes you think they're a bunch of idiots? Oh, they just they they trade away like they've been trading away their best players for like cents on the dollar, basically. Um, right. And they're they're basic. They're the, they're like the laughing stock of the league at the moment. Yeah. Uh, so who who and, would you support if you were to move? Well, okay. So before I answer that question, let me ask two things. First of all, if you stop supporting a particular team in a particular competition, is the right thing to do to not support another team for the rest of your life? Or can you actually change the team which you support? Okay. So, I mean... <sighs> Right, right and wrong, you know. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that concept in itself. But look, I don't like it when people jump around to different teams, particularly if like the team is just on a down period and they, they're like, oh, I'm sick of supporting a losing team. I'm going to support a winning team. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. that to me, that just, I don't know, that the whole point of the game is to ride the cycles. You know, yes. to ride the the good and the bad, and that makes the good all that more enjoyable when it eventually happens. However, so for me, like I'm a, a you know that I've been a huge Tigers fan for since day dot. And that's a perfect example. Like how many like ninth position finishes do so you need it's, before you like? It's not the ninth position finish. It, okay. It was. Losing James Tedesco was very hard for me as a Tigers fan to kind of get past. And to be honest, I'm not 100% past it yet. And mm-hmm. the issue was that he, he, what he said was he left the Tigers, not, it wasn't for more money. The Tigers offered, like, matched the money that the Roosters offered him. He basically mm-hmm. left the club because it was a shambles. And he was mm-hmm. my favorite player. And he moved to the Roosters. And he's rightfully called the best player in the world now. He was the best player in the world when he was playing for the Tigers, too. It just, People just didn't notice him because the Tigers weren't winning. So, yeah, losing him to 
and and him going from one of the worst clubs and a club that struggles in the Tigers to one of the best clubs who's who are richer and have more money. That is, it's very hard to kind of digest that as a Tigers fan. Now I still support the Tigers, but not as passionately as I I used to. Benji coming back is like been a bit of a shot in the arm because um, he was my favorite player for a long time and still playing pretty well. But yeah, so I think like for certain reasons, like I understand it. Like if 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 you really hate the management of the club and you think it's just gone in a direction and you know it's kind of a shambles, I I. I don't necessarily hate the idea of changing support to a different team. If you're just doing it because they're not performing well, like I think that's uh, you know that's a bit shit. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I would I, find I, it hard look, to support another club unless I had a good reason to. Yeah, exactly. Look, I, I, and you know, again, I've been a Dragon supporter for a long time. We've had some good times and some bad times, and you just like a, like any club, you just sort of roll with the bad years. It's just when you get to that point where you feel like something breaks or that sort of last thing died. In this, in the same sense with your Tedesco story, like you say, you say you don't support the Tigers maybe as uh, strongly anymore because something happened, something like irreversible happened in your Tiger support. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was more about the fact that it was awful management, as you say. Maybe the Houston Texans is a good example. Than just yeah. like oh you know we had a good player and he got a better offer and he went to another team like that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's when they go mm-hmm. to another team like for the same or less money just because they're sick of being part of a shambles that that's when it gets hard because how can yeah. a club kind of ever perform when they're losing their best player for those sorts of reasons? That's right, and I yeah I feel like I feel like I'm at, I'm at that point, but you know we'll see. I mean, we'll see. I don't I don't I don't want to change teams. If there was a if there was a change in management, uh, I would not change teams. But there's the added there's the added fact that with NFL with like sort of trading draft picks for players and signing players to these long term contracts, like these decisions have effects that reach into the future for three, four, five years kind of thing. Yeah, okay. You know what's interesting? My as my support for the Tigers has kind of dwindled a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um. Supercoach has kind of in some ways replaced that and and now I just sort of I don't know I support the game but I also support players like I have favorite yeah. players at various clubs um and I watch them mm-hmm. quite intently like like Tom Trebojevic for example mm-hmm. I just love him as a player and and I watch mm-hmm. Manly games really intently because I just like watching him go around Caitlin Pong is another one yep. yeah so Supercoach has kind of made me less focus on a team and more focus on individual players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was very, uh, so my first year of Supercoach was 2011 and that for me worked really well because the Dragons having won the comp the year before meant that I didn't have to sort of hang on to the Dragons specifically as much. I could sort of just enjoy them with a bit more of a sort of relaxed flair because they just won the comp. Mm. But yeah, anyway. Just, just some something to a little bit of chat to help me through this existential crisis. <laughs> so, what do you like? Do you know what you're going to do about the Texans, or are you still thinking about it? I don't. I don't. I'll probably wait until the season begins uh, at the in September to actually make a decision. But, but I, uh, 
most of my support for American teams has been based on a on often an Aussie. Like okay. I I support the the Philadelphia seventy sixes now because Ben Ben Simmons, for example. Mm-hmm. So that's usually mm-hmm. like how I kind of get into those sports, and then I become kind of affiliated mm-hmm. with a team based on something like that. Okay. Well, thanks for the chat. I hope we can talk again sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, maybe in a couple of weeks when we know a bit more about the rugby league actually starting up again and maybe what the draw is likely to look like and that sort of stuff, we can actually start kind of thinking about Supercoach properly again. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to see what they do with the trades as well. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, until then, Costa, good chatting with you. Take care and have a good Easter. Will do. You too, mate.